Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Down the Middle with Doc and Zip. It's a exciting week in the golf world as it's U.S. Open time. Uh, the boys are going to tee it up here this week at historic Pebble Beach. So we're going to talk about all the wonderful storylines that are in play there. We're going to talk about all the players that could be in the mix. We're going to talk about uh, USGA's hopes for redemption as uh, their course setup is always uh, in the news. We're going to talk about the uh, specialized Poana Greens there on the West Coast. And we're going to have golf in prime time as the boys are on the West Coast. So we'll get to see some great golf action a little later in the day. So then we'll wrap it up with our picks. And we're also going to jump into how you can play Pebble Beach as one of the famed public golf courses in the country. So, Zip, we got a lot on the plate to talk about. But before we go to Pebble Beach, let's head to the Great North and talk about the recap from last week at the Canadian Open as you pick Rory to come out and win. And you were spot on, my friend. I did. Thank you, sir. Uh, pay attention, DraftKings players and fellow sports gamblers. Um, we will do our picks uh, for the U.S. Open, of course, at the end of this episode. So pay attention to that. And I'm feeling good about those picks coming off a winner. Uh, Rory scorched the field. And uh, Ontario uh, last weekend, he was even on a 59 or a 58 watch even uh, during the last round. Just a ball-striking clinic. And um, yeah, he came back from, uh, I believe he started the day in 74th place and came all the way back to win it. So uh, Rory's your Canadian Open champion. Showed a little love to the Toronto Raptors faithful. Uh, he might have jinxed them that night because they did lose game five. But uh Pretty cool. Glad to pick the winner. Feeling good about myself, and I'm feeling confident about uh, my picks later. Totally stoked and excited for this week. Um, Just so many storylines going in. I mean, there's there's 30 or 40 guys that can legitimately win uh, this uh, U.S. Open. So uh, let's get to it, my friend. Let's do this thing. Yeah, and you know, Pebble Beach is is one of the historic venues uh, on the planet, Uh, and uh, if you ever have a chance to get to to Pebble, I haven't played it, I don't think you've had a chance to play it, but I hope at some point we get to take the the podcast on the road and tee it up at at Pebble, and we're going to talk about uh, how you can do that, what the green fee is, and talk a little bit about that wonderful 17-mile drive there. Uh, on Carmel Bay. So, uh, but with that zip, I mean, as you pointed out, uh, there's so many storylines. You know, Tiger's going for win number 82, which would set him apart, make him the all time PGA uh, victories leader. Uh, Phil is looking for that, completing that Grand Slam. He's been so close in the U.S. Open. And those are two West Coast guys that know how to put those Poana greens. And um, this is really probably Phil's last really good opportunity as, uh, you know, Sunday will be his 49th birthday. Yep, that's right. Sunday will be his 49th birthday. Can you imagine, Phil, a guy who's won the AT&T Pro-Am on this golf course five times his career, uh, most recently a couple months ago, back in February. So this season, uh, he's won it in 98, 05, 07, 2012, and like I said, this year, 2019. This is tw- his 28th time teeing it up in the US Open. He's got six runner-ups they've all been well documented and all just as heartbreaking um as the last you mentioned his 49th birthday on sunday which will also be father's day can you imagine this is like a hollywood script um can you imagine him winning on sunday with all that 
stuff going on his birthday, Father's Day, his kids and wife on the green and clinching uh, their career grand slam. I mean, I, if I were him, I'd hang, I mean, I'd hang it up. How, how, what else, how can you top that? And, you know, he's been a little quiet on social media, so I, I know he, he may be feeling it a little bit. But he did have some good vibes early on. Uh, Jim Nance, the uh, the famed broadcaster, has a replica of the number seven hole there in his backyard. And uh, and Phil did jar it for for the ace uh, in, in pre-tournament preparation. So that's got to be a good sign. Yep, good karma. But like you mentioned, Phil has gone zero dark 30, staying pretty quiet. Um you know he's grinding. You know he's got his game face on, and he'll be ready. Um, as will a lot of these guys. Uh, you mentioned Tiger. You know this would be this would time with Sam Snead if he wins this week uh, with 82 uh, tournament wins, um, major number 16. And uh, you know him and Phil being SoCal boys, growing up out there on the West Coast. Um, you know a lot of the seaside courses have these poetic greens. Uh, which are sand-based, and what Poana is, Poana is just a mixture of, you know, a couple different blades of grass. There's some bent in there, um, some poa, um, you know, and they get bumpy. However, uh, watching a little bit of the coverage, listening to the guys talk this uh, beginning of this week, uh, a lot of the guys are shocked and surprised that they are a little smoother um, than what they expected. But, uh, you know, it's the same kind of greens you get at Tory where Tiger and Phil have also had so much success in their careers. Um, so we'll see uh, who can put them better this week, what that'll lead to. You know, they're smooth now, but that's during practice rounds. See what happens after all these guys start, you know, hitting, you know, walking on them and playing on them and, and what the weather's going to bring also. I mean, today it looks just absolutely miserable, cloudy and foggy and overcast. Uh, there's hoodies and jackets out there in the gallery. And uh, the first couple of days this week, the guys were in, you know, shorts practicing and their polos and short sleeves so i don't know when the heck does this is california when the heck does it get nice i mean it's june for crying out loud uh, you know you watch a lot of the old film uh back in the day of tom watson you know chipping in uh on 17 to win the uh the u.s open in 1982 i think he's wearing a black sweater yeah, right. so i mean the weather is is very unpredictable and you know the usga always wants to try to protect par and uh so we'll see is it going to be a, a you know another repeat of, you know, Tiger going 12 or 13 under par, are the guys going to be, you know, around level par? Uh, that's going to be the big question. And I think the Poa Greens are going to play a big role in that and uh, how the USG sets up the course because we know it's going to be short and tight. The guys aren't going to hit many drivers, so that brings a lot, lot more people into play for a chance to win. But uh, people that I think have a really good attitude about the Greens are probably going to be the people that are going to be at, at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean – you know, it's it's going to play to a par 71 uh, because they are going to play number two, which is normally a par five. Uh, they're going to play as a long par four, which is still nothing for these guys in this field. Um, it's just that 7,000 yards, so it's one of the shorter U.S. Open venues, you know, in the last 30 years. Uh, but it was like that in 2000. It was like that in 2010 uh, when Graham McDowell won. Um, these greens are small. And in order to hit small greens, you got to play out of the fairway because the rough is thick and lush. And like you said, we're going to see a lot of irons, a lot of hybrids, uh, a lot of fairy woods and stingers um, off these tees for the most part. And, you know, that's going to favor um, your ball strikers and uh, going to take the driver out of a lot of the long hitters' hands, which is why I think, man, just looking at the field, and I, there's just 
so many guys that can win this thing. I mean, you got your top four or five in mind, of course. Um, but there's just so many guys, so many players that can uh, step up and get this done. So it's going to be incredibly exciting. I'm pumped for it. And you think about Pebble and, and the, the three most famous holes there, of course, are number 18, the picturesque hole there along the coast, uh, the par five. But then you also think about the par threes. Uh, you know, number seven we made reference to plays about 109 yards and 17 plays over 200 yards. And some of the most famous shots in golf history were hit uh, on 17 with Watson uh, chipping in from the rough. Nicholas actually hit his famous one iron when he won in 72 to within, a, I think, a foot. Uh, Tom Kite chipped in uh, when he won uh, in 92 uh, on, on hole number seven. So there's a lot of history around Pebble Beach, which is going to make it even more exciting. Yeah, the par threes here are the key. Good point. Uh, when Tiger won in 2000, of course, I mean, he led the field in every single category. But um, Jesper Parnovic was paired with him the first two days, and Ernie Els was paired with him in the final round. And both of them mentioned how high and soaring and just amazing Tiger hit his irons and how soft they landed um, on those greens. I mean, um, one of the holes was cut just every day in an incredibly hard spot, a couple paces um, just over a bunker, and nobody could get to that flag all day. And, of course, Tiger stepped up um, and hit just a soaring long iron, and it, landed, you know, it came down like a wedge. So, yeah, the par threes are the key. Number seven, as many times as we've seen that, you know, in a picture or a postcard or just a – gorgeous hole there um you know any hole that depending on the wind you can play anywhere from a five iron to a sand wedge or lob wedge is absolutely incredible and incredibly difficult depending on the day you're going to play four rounds in that hole and you're probably going to hit a different club each day yeah and you know the thing i find fascinating when we, when we talk about course setup is you think about the four majors uh, the Masters, uh, the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship. And it's fascinating to me that the PGA Tour really has very little input in the setup for those four venues because you're talking about the uh, Augusta National Committee. Uh, the folks in the green coats are kind of setting it up at, at Augusta. And then uh, the PGA of America gets the PGA Championship. USGA, we know, is, is in charge this week. And then the RNA gets to handle things for the Open Championship. So I think that's why you hear a lot of the PGA players complain at times. But the USGA has really taken their share of lumps over the last few years because they have lost some really good golf courses. Yeah, they have. Uh, Phil on um, earlier this week, Monday or Tuesday, in his presser, he actually said, you know, I've played in um, – this will be my 28th U.S. Open. And he said in each time – you're talking 28 times – he said he can think of a point or an aspect where the USGA made a mistake. That is awfully critical. Um, and, of course, you can take the side like Brooks Kepka and say, well, we're all playing the same course. You know, stop complaining. But anytime, you know, use Shinnecock as an example um, or some of the other venues, anytime the greens become Saturday look black on your television or have four or five different colored spots in them, or they got the hose out and they're watering the green in between groups. You know they made a mistake. They, they, they've lost the golf course pretty much. Um, and once play starts, there's not a whole lot you can do um, to change the conditions unless Mother Nature bails you out. And uh, that's kind of what Phil Mickelson touched on. He said, you know, when the USGA makes a mistake, 
and the greens are too hard and fast, and they're non-receptive to a well-played shot. You know, nobody has a problem getting penalized uh, for hitting an errant ball, but when you're penalized for hitting a, a good shot, um, that's where they lose the respect of the guys. And, um, you know, Phil said, you know, Mother Nature's bailed them out many times, and then the, the times where Mother Nature, you know, didn't intervene, um, real bad negative reviews. Yoshi Latorbel and uh, they, you know, they lost the golf course. You know, the, the POA greens are, are, I find interesting because I have played POA. I did have a chance to play Torrey Pines in San Diego a few years back, and uh, they were a little more bumpy than, say, the bent grass greens that I had been playing before I went out there for that trip. But, uh, I, I mean, I've heard a lot of the, the, the guys talk uh, on the Golf Channel and different uh, media outlets being just as concerned about how the ball is going to react on short shots around the green and how the ball is going to hop and skip a little bit and spin than they are about, you know, some of the bumpy greens later in the day. Right. Uh, if you look, if you, we all know Tiger's famous um, birdie putt at the 08 U.S. Open at Torrey um, on the 18th hole in regulation to force the playoff the next day uh, with the double fist pump and the huge celebration. I'm not going to watch that a thousand times. Um, there's one view, it's a camera angle um, that's right at green level surface or just maybe just above. And that was a, about a nine footer. It, it bumped, it bounced and bumped down there so much. And that's, you know, due to being Poana, but also, you know, how many spike mark, how many people walked on that green um, the last four days and especially around that hole on Sunday. So, you know, that's two things you got to battle. Um, you know, come Sunday and the guys that lose their patience with it or, you know, keep just keep hitting putts on the line that they, you know, they they read and decided on and they're, and they're bumping offline or they're not going in. I mean, you, you've got to stay patient. Obviously, it's a U.S. Open, but that's just going to, uh, you know, add add to it and add to their frustrations. So let's jump into a few more of the storylines we referenced uh, in the opening of the show. Uh, one thing we're going to keep a watchful eye on is Jason Day, and we know he's a fantastic ball striker and is always a threat. Uh, he's going to have Steve Williams, uh, Tiger's old caddy, on the bag, and the fellow Australians are going to team up. How do you think that's going to help his psyche, having a friend like that on the bag with so much experience? You know, I thought it was, you know, Jason had a lot of success um, a few years ago, of course. He finally broke through, won his first major, um, and then he blitzed through the FedEx Cup um, playoffs, winning the first two events. Um, that year, I think it was 16, 15 or 16. And, um, you know, his longtime caddy and mentor and family friend was kind of like a father figure to him, and they split up um, for whatever reason. He said there was no bad blood, and they're still tight as ever. But, I don't know, for whatever reason, it was time for a change. And uh, I just don't think um, he's been the same since then. Uh, we all know Jason, um, you know, it kind of gets the injury bug every now and then and the health bug. Um, here and there and misses some events or sometimes he does play and he's quite not, you know, not quite a hundred percent. I think this is probably a one and done unless Stevie gets the bug and wants to stay back out there on tour, but uh, I think it'll be good for him. Um, there's not a better guy with, uh, you know, more qualifications, more experience on this golf course uh, than Stevie Williams. That's for sure. And I think folks watching uh, this week on TV, it's going to be a little different experience. It's not going to play like it does, as you mentioned, uh, during the AT&T Pro-Am earlier in the year. Uh, as we talked, it's going to be short and tight. The rough's going to be very thick. 
you're going to see guys uh, hitting a lot of uh, long irons and hybrids off the tee. Uh, there's a chance you might see a guy hit a three iron off the tee, but go for the green uh, with a three wood on some of the shorter par fives, which is going to be a little bit different than maybe what you're used to seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you got to, you know, you got to think around this type of golf course. Um, I think it's a great venue for it though, because like I said, it just opens the door uh, to so many players. Um, I think it's the perfect U S open venue, just as long as once again, you know, as long as USGA, you know, lets it do what it does. And that's, you know, penalizing rough for missing the fairway is one thing, um, you know, let these guys, they're strong enough to get it on the green if they need to, or hack it out of there. And then you start just, you know, you start playing for par, but if there's going to be, if there's some guys, you know, putting it in the fairway and putting it on the greens um, in the right spots and, you know, getting their speed down with their putter. Um, I think you're going to see, um, you know, some under par scores uh, that might surprise you. Um, especially for a U.S. Open. And I think without question, you're going to see the greens get a little faster every day. Probably on Thursday, they're not going to be nearly as quick as they're going to be on Sunday. And, of course, the weather is going to be a big factor in how that plays out right there, you know, on the coast. Uh, if those greens dry out, you know, it could get slippery again real quick. Yep, absolutely. I mean, like you said, it's going to be a different course, obviously, playing in February, um, you know, and then coming back and playing it in June. Um, I believe they even have a new tee box on number 10, uh, which was, yeah, number one to add distance, but number two, um, I guess the sight lines and, you know, the, 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 just the overall look of the hole from this new tee is a little more intimidating than it has been in the past. So it'd be interesting to see, um, you know, what the guys here will do on number 10. You know, I want to get your take on this zip, uh, because I, you know, me personally, I want to see guys – I want the golf course to be set up fair, and I want guys to have an opportunity to go low if they're playing well. This whole idea of protect, protecting par uh, is really a notion that, that puzzles me at times. I don't want to see the best players in the world struggling and scrambling to get up and down from, you know, deep, deep rough around the greens. No, you can go out and watch your buddies do that in your Saturday foursome. When we watch – you watch the best world-class players um, – you know, just like it's like when you go to a baseball game, you want to you want to sit there for four hours and watch a pitching duel, and you know, as great as it would be for the game and history to see a couple of guys try to throw a no hitter, you want to see home runs, you want to see runs scored, um, you know, you want to watch an NBA game and you know see the Splash Brothers and Kawhi Leonard and these guys knocking down threes and um, just lighting the scoreboard up, and you know, same thing in golf, you want to see your favorite players, the best players in the world. Uh, make some birdies. Yeah, they hit a horrible shot. You know, it's good for them. Take your medicine, get penalized, move on. But, um, yeah, I don't want to see a hack fest out there and guys with, you know, rough above their ankles and, um, you know, things like that. Pins cut um, and just, you know, ridiculous or unfair spots. I mean, the U.S. Open, you know, for all, you know, for almost the history – of time has been tight fairways, fast greens, you know, and high, thick, rough, you know, that's it. And, um, you know, Tiger mentioned that's, uh, you know, all he would like to see. You don't need to really think outside the box much more than that. 
and try to get creative because when you push the envelope too much, um, it usually comes out back and bites you. You are listening to the DTM Golf Podcast with Doc and Zip, and we're breaking down the U.S. Open. That begins this week at Pebble Beach, and we're fired up and ready to see the guys go low. Um, you know, Zip, another thing that was floating around social media uh, here right before the tournament was there was a great picture uh, of all of the past champions that were together. I think 33 of the 36 living uh, past champions were, were able to get together and have dinner the other night. And as, as you look at that picture, the vast majority of people in that photograph were Americans. Why do you think uh, foreign-born players have had such difficulty in a U.S. Open-type setup? You know, it's a good point. Uh, Graham McDowell won in 2010. He was the first European uh, to win the U.S. Open since, uh, I believe, 1970. That was Tony Jacklin. Um, I think Pebble's a little different in that regard because it's a seaside golf course. And a lot of the Europeans, you know, if they grew up in Ireland or England or Scotland, um, you know, there's even seaside courses in Spain. Um, the similarities are there as far as the bunker ring, uh, the smaller bumpy greens, um, you, you know, obviously being a seaside golf course. Uh, but, you know, Europeans get to like Wingfoot, um, Oakmont, um, Oakland Hills, you know, somewhere like that. Uh, it, it's just different. Um, you know, those greens generally uh, – have a lot of undulation in them at those golf courses, um, mounds and, you know, hills, and um, they're huge. And they usually run 13 or 14 on the stimp, especially U.S. Open week. And you just don't get that much over in their home countries. And, and yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, I think it's just such a great test. And uh, with the rough high, and the Poana Greens, you know, I, I think we're really going to spotlight the guy that's the best ball striker and the guy that can putt really well. And I think it's going to bring so many people back into the field, you know, since you're not going to have to bomb that driver all day, every day. So I don't know if Rory has a great advantage if he's only going to hit his driver four times a day. Good point. I mean, obviously no one's harder than him. Um, I mean, he's leading and – or not leading, but he's in the top of like almost every ball striking – and scoring category, and like I uh, predicted, he cleaned up his wedges um, last week. But he's a phenomenal long iron putter player too. But so is Brooks, so is Dustin, so is Tiger. Um, I got. I mean, I, you know, we usually make our three picks, and I thought I had them down, and I've changed them about four times in the last twenty-four hours. Just just thinking about it so much, and just um, kind of looking at what the, you know, what each player has been doing and how they're trending and, um, you know, what they're, uh, you know, what they're on the verge of or the brink of. And, um, it's so wide open. Now the suspense is absolutely killing me. I have to know who zip has, who are the three picks? Who do you think is going to win? Who's your sentimental favorite and who's your dark horse? All right. So my bat out of hell, my, uh, dark horse, if you will, it's not really even, I mean, he's a dark horse. He's not a household name, um, but that's Steve Lowry. Um, always comes to play in the majors. Uh, was paired with Dustin at Oakmont in 2016, the final group. Um, playing very well this year. Um, and I think he's going to play Pebble Beach. Uh, just a good golf course for him. He's a good ball striker. He's a pretty solid putter. Um, he'll get up and down from anywhere. Uh, so I would not be surprised especially Thursday, 
um, if he's up around the leaderboard, not just after the first round, but the uh, entire week. So Steve Lowry is my dark horse, and my two picks are going to be Tommy Fleetwood. Um, I, I don't know how the guy hasn't won one yet. He's been so close, it seems like, for the last three years. He plays good on any golf course. Um, just incredible tenacity, tough as nails, great driver of the golf ball, very good putter. And my, uh, well, my pick for with my brain and my heart is Tiger Woods. I just think that, uh, you know, this is a golf course that he'll play well on for his entire life, no matter the circumstances. Um, we obviously we've hammered home the, uh, you know, the experience on the greens and the putting um, every uh, season or let's say every uh, for all three of Tiger's U S open wins. Uh, he went into that particular open championship leading the tour in uh, greens and regulation. And uh, he is, guess what? Leading the tour this year in greens and regulation. So uh, I think there's some to that. You got a lot of greens this week. And that will certainly be a, another big story if the big cat's able to pull it off and get to number 82. So as I think about my picks, I'll begin with my dark horse pick. And again, I, it's not a course where you're going to have to hit, hit your driver a lot. It's not going to favor the big hitters. I'm looking at a guy like Zach Johnson, who's a fantastic putter and a, just a sensational wedge player. And, and a gritty competitor. Uh, you know, there's a, something floating around on social media now where his coach is making him do jumping jacks uh, on putting drills. So I love the fire in that guy's eye right now. I think Zach Johnson could have a really good week. And, uh, you know, the former Masters champion certainly has the game to compete. It's just a matter of a lot of times he's just outmatched because of he can't bomb the driver nearly as far as some of the other guys on tour. So look for Jack, uh, Zach Johnson to have a good week. My sentimental pick, and you knew it was going to be Phil. Uh, I've been rooting for Phil uh, throughout his entire career, and he's been so close. So many times he's finished second. Uh, he's had some wonderful opportunities. But this is really, I think, probably his last really good chance. Uh, and it would be just a, a storybook ending on a historic golf course on his birthday, on Father's Day. He's already going to go down as one of the all-time greats, but there's something special about being in that elite group of Grand Slam winners, and I know that's something that he wants to do. And my pick, and I apologize uh, ahead of time because I'm not picking an American to win the U.S. Open. So I am going to pick Justin Rose. And Justin Rose, I know he is really excited about his grouping. He's playing with Tiger and Jordan Spieth. Uh, so they're going to go off on Thursday. Uh, Justin Rose is a former U.S. Open winner in 2013 at Marion, uh, former number one in the world. And Zip, down at your place at Memorial, he dropped a 63 on him there uh, not too long ago. And I think his game is really starting to come together. Yep, can't argue with any of your picks there. Rose, Rosie's, uh, you know, like you said, already U.S. Open winner. Um, he just He's just been playing world-class golfer, it seems like a few years now, uh, you know, Graham McDowell won here in 2010, having his best season on tour in a number of years. Um, Matt Kuchar, you know, FedEx cup leader. Uh, this is a perfect golf course for him. Uh, Paul Casey, another ball striker extraordinaire, not the longest player on tour by any means. Um, 
Brant Snedeker is another guy I kind of thought of as a dark horse. He always plays well here as well. He's a phenomenal putter, um, laser sharp with his wedges. So just let me ask you this, Doc. What is What would be the bigger story? Tiger winning on Sunday, his 16th major, and 82nd career win tying Sam Snead. Or Phil Mickelson winning and clinching the career grand slam on his birthday and Father's Day. Well, that is a great question. That should probably be a poll question somewhere. Uh, if you think about, um, you know, the, the two biggest names in the game and uh, both, as you've mentioned, West Coast guys, I think the bigger story is Phil winning because Tiger will get to 82 at some point. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I also think he'll win another major. Uh, will he catch Jack? I, I don't know. It depends on if – how hard he wants to work at it, if he wants to practice. It, if, if his back will let him practice and play uh, as many events as he wants to play. But uh, I really think Phil w- would be the big story, and I know he's going to have a lot of people rooting for him there on the West Coast. Yeah, he's going to – Tyre's going to get to 82, um, just a matter of when. For as important as winning this would be, you know – in his pursuit of Jack, of course, I still think Phil would be the bigger story. Um, what would what do you think the overnight ratings would be if uh, the third round ends on Saturday night and we got Tiger and Phil paired together uh, for the final round in the last group, no less? <laughs> that should that should be the pay per view because the yeah. original pay per view was horrible, Stunk. garbage, <laughs> no birdies at all, horrible. And, I think they made three birdies through, yeah. between the two of them. Another thing that, that I find interesting is we've been talking now for quite some time. We haven't really mentioned Brooks Kepka. And here's a guy that's two time, <laughs> two time defending champion, just rolled through the PGA. And he even made a comment the other day that he felt slighted because he wasn't in the, the U.S. Open promos that they've been airing on Fox. Yep. And this guy, he might be so ticked off, he might win every major from here on out. Yeah, what I mean, I keep thinking, telling myself, this guy, there's got to be a major where this guy ain't gonna win. And not that I'm rooting against him by any means, but just another more, little more fuel for the fire, another thing to make him mad. I mean, he's gonna go out probably first round and fire up a 61 or something crazy. Because again, neither you or I mentioned him in our picks, but we, I wouldn't be, neither of us would be surprised if he's hoisting that trophy on Sunday. It's just such a, such a crazy phenomenon uh this Brooks Kepke is and what's funny is I was um kind of busting chops with my buddies back and forth on a group text and uh they had a little piece on golf channel last night with uh Brooks Kepka and about his junior career and how he wasn't really a world beater uh but you know he did get a full ride of Florida State and he kind of started blossoming growing to himself there and then how he showed a lot of grit um you know going through European tour school and things like that and What's funny is his mom in the interview said, you know, we didn't have a lot of, you know, uh, first place trophies in the house. We had a lot of second place trophies in the house. And I just could see Brooks fuming at his mom using her uh, for motivation and, you know, just what he, just what this guy needs. You know, there's so many guys, as you've mentioned, uh, that have a shot to win. We, we haven't talked a whole lot about Jordan Spieth. You know, Justin Thomas, the Kentucky boy, uh, could be right there. Uh, Ricky Fowler always seems to play well in this type of, type of event. So 
Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Is Matt Kuchar ever going to win a major championship? I mean, eventually he's going he's gonna to put it all together and get it done. So uh, let's just kind of wrap it up with what are the, some additional storylines you're kind of going to be, be watching this week? I, I like JT looked good. Justin Thomas, he played well at the Canadian Open over the weekend. Um, I'm concerned with that wrist injury and hitting out of this rough this week. Uh, I don't think he'll have any issues if he drives the ball long and straight like he, uh, like he you know, tends to. But hitting out of this rough was definitely going to test that wrist. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, the big question is when the heck are Doc and Zip going to bite the bullet and scratch it off the bucket list and uh, go out and play Pebble Beach? I am ready, but uh, we may have to get second and third jobs as professional moonlighters to pay the green fee because this thing's outrageous. It's now uh, five fifty, and that does not count the uh, you know you got to pay the caddy fee um, or four caddy if you wish. And uh, if you stay in the lodge overnight, uh, you're able to book your tea time 18 months in advance. However, I believe the cheapest room in the lodge is about 750 per night. So we can swing that and, you know, share that. Hopefully there's two beds in there. Um, or if you don't choose to stay, you know, in the, at the resort, uh, you can only book your tea time within 24 hours. So we could uh, stay off site, if you will, and then uh, try our luck, you know, the next day and uh, hopefully get out there and the other two great co- uh, golf courses right there uh, are spanish bay and poppy hills so i mean and spyglass. Uh, and spyglass. spyglass yeah yeah yep. so there's some some fantastic tracks there and i know they get a lot of play uh and that's you know that's definitely one of those bucket list items and i would think as much as i uh, am against physical fitness on the golf course i would probably have to walk with a caddy to get the full experience yeah absolutely they say they always recommend to walk it's the best walk in golf. Take it all in. Uh, they now have a shuttle that'll uh, take you around, you know, drive you and your clubs. Um, teach the golf courses there um, on the Monterey Peninsula. That just, I mean, that would just be an unbelievable world-class um, trip for three or four days. Uh, live like a king. Um, you know, jump on that shuttle and, you know, play Pebble, play Spike Glass, play Spanish Bay. Just, uh, and you know what? They get a lot of play. I mean, you know, people are doing it. Um, I have, you know, have friends and colleagues that have played out there. And, um, you know, if you go out in the summer and, you know, there's, you know, they're getting their rounds in. I mean, there's the greens are, they're walked on and there's, you know, there's divots and pitch marks. And I mean, it's a public golf course. It's one of the most expensive ones in the world, but it's, it's getting play and it's great to see great for golf. And, uh, you know, we uh, encourage our listeners too. Um, if you ever played Pebble Beach, or you plan on going out, and you got something booked, you know, tweet at us, email us, hit us up on Facebook, um, send us some pictures. Uh, if you got it on there on the 18th tee, uh, you know, the famous picture of Jack leaning against the fence post, just staring out of the Pacific. Uh, everyone always tries to kind of, you know, uh, reclaim that shot. Um, you know, tweet them at us. You know, tweet them at us. We'd love to see them and. Uh, Hear kind of uh, your best stories and experiences. 
Absolutely. And folks, you can follow us on Twitter at DTM Golf Pod. You can also find us at uh, Facebook. Uh, that Both those pages continue to grow with each episode. You can also hit us up on email at docandzip at gmail.com. We are going to run a special U.S. Open Week contest, so be checking the social media pages for that. Uh, this week, we're going to have a giveaway from Golf HQ, and now's probably a good time, Zip. Update us on what's going on at Golf HQ. We have any good sales this week? Yes, sir. Uh, a lot of things going on. GolfHQ.com, of course, for all your uh, equipment, apparel needs. Um, kind of a cool thing today uh, was launch day for a limited edition uh, Adidas Tour 360 golf shoe. Um, if you follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook at GolfHQ.com, uh, we put out a little video and some pictures of this particular shoe. Um, it, it's called the, it benefits the Adidas Parlay Project, which uh, this shoe is made out of 100%, uh, they say upcycled, uh, but 100% recycled plastics and particles um, that they cleaned out from the bottom of our oceans, ocean floors. It's a very cool shoe. Um, anytime, uh, you know, there's a project or a campaign, um, you know, to help animals and, you know, clean the earth and clean the oceans of our, of our everyday pollution. Um, it's a great thing to get behind. Uh, Adidas actually has an entire line of not just golf shoes, but um, tennis shoes and fitness apparel, t-shirts, things like that, all with all, you know, funded and proceeds going um, to this great cause. Uh, so that's a tour 360 ocean blue colored uh, parlay golf shoe. They are on golfhq.com on our website, or if you're local, we got them in store. Awesome shoe, great cause to get behind, and uh, just you know, like usual, a uh, lot of great apparel sales. Um, top brand golf shirts starting at fifteen and twenty dollars. Uh, free shipping over any of any order over seventy five bucks. Free shipping and free returns on all apparel and shoe purchases. You get it, it doesn't fit. We send you a label, you send it back. Piece of cake, simple as that. So it's golfhq.com. From tee to green and head to toe, Golf HQ is the place to go. And my guess is you're going to have uh, plenty of apparel and hats uh, that the guys are wearing this week at the U.S. Open, uh, so you'll be able to run in. And uh, whatever TW is wearing on uh, Sunday, I'm sure you'll be able to get it at Golf HQ. Yeah, good call. We got, uh, you know, what uh, Spieth and some of the Under Armour guys are going to be wearing this week. We've got it all in stock, uh, same as all the Nike staff guys um, and the Adidas guys. You know, they usually equip these guys with some special hats and sh- uh, shoes and um, they kind of try to color coordinate, um, you know, their shirts depending on the brand. And we yep, we got all that in stock, and uh, we're ready to go. Well, that's it for us, folks. It's been a great episode. We enjoy talking about the U.S. Open, talking about Pebble Beach, and uh, we're going to be checking in on our picks, and I know you will as well. And, again, hit us up on social media. Send us an email. We want to hear from you. And, folks, as always, keep it down the middle. Enjoy the game and each other. Thanks, Doc. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Down the Middle with Doc and Zip is sponsored by GolfHQ.com. From tee to green and head to toe, GolfHQ.com is the place to go. We also want to tell you about the perfect spot for your next golf trip with stay-and-play packages available at Cherry Blossom and Longview Golf Club's in historic Georgetown, Kentucky. Located just 12 miles from Lexington, your visit to the heart of horse country not only includes two great golf courses, 
but just might lead you to attractions such as the Keeneland Racetrack, a University of Kentucky sporting event, or a trip down the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. To book your golf trip, visit longviewgolfclub.com.